It's good to see you. It's good to be seen by all those joining virtually. I want to thank you for being with us. Hey, a couple things I want to just make you aware of. The first is in the seats and pews in front of you, you'll notice a connection card. And the reason that's important is because on that connection card, you can indicate how we might be praying for you. Uh, We as a staff, we prioritize those prayers every week, and so we ask that you would take a moment, write down how it is that we can pray, and we'll we'll make sure uh, that we gather together and pray for all of those requests uh, personally. Just going to emphasize that. Also, if you're online, I want to make you aware, too, that uh, there's a prayer button. If you push that button, uh, you'll be able to uh, privately indicate how we might be praying for you as well, and we'll include that in our time together as a staff. Uh, Also, what I want to just let you know is this last Sunday, we had our Home for Christmas event that occurred um, at uh, 3 o'clock. We did, for two hours, a bunch of things. We had a horse and carriage that was going on outside. We had uh, Christmas cookies, and we had um, Christmas songs, and uh, hot chocolate, apple cider. It was just a really great time uh, to be together. And then our service at 5 o'clock. I just want to say thank you to all of you who volunteered to make that possible. Thank you so much for doing that. And I hope that for all of you that uh, came, that you were encouraged uh, this Christmas. And then one more thing I want to mention, and that is uh, a year ago, December of last year, we, we had a venture, if you were here, if you remember, where we raised money for talking Bibles. Talking Bibles. What are talking Bibles? Uh, Talking Bibles are basically audio Bibles, but what makes them unique is that that organization creates Bibles specifically in languages of, of people groups all around the world that haven't even heard the Bible or read the Bible or even heard the name of Jesus. And so what we did as a church, you may remember, as we said, we're going to adopt an area of the world. So we're going to adopt the Oromo people uh, in the central region of Ethiopia, and we're going to begin the process of getting talking Bibles into their hands so that they can begin to not only experience God's Word, but the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, what's cool about talking Bibles is that they have kind of a tier approach. And so the first step is to equip evangelists, pastors, and missionaries um, in a particular region first with talking Bibles and then begin training them as to how to interact with them and create listening groups. Now, listening groups are fantastic, groups of 20 to 30 people that come together and do just that. They listen to the Bible in their own language for the first time. Many are illiterate, and so they're experiencing this in profound ways. And what we did, if you remember, is we had 166 talking Bibles in the Aroma language that each of us actually held in our hands. We held those talking Bibles, each of us in our hands, and we prayed over each of those Bibles. And then we began the process of getting them to that part of the world. Now, I want you to check out this picture here. So this picture are pastors and missionaries and evangelists that are now praying over those exact Bibles that were in our hands a year ago. Those are the exact Bibles now that are in their hands that they are then praying over. 
asking God to use them as they bring the Word of God into uh, communities all throughout that region. And then if you go to the next pic- picture, this, these are other missionaries and pastors and evangelists that are involved in not only training, but equipping and getting ready to uh, create these listening groups, bring them into their churches, bring them into their communities, and see the Word of God impact lives. I'm just so thrilled to be able to see this and to continue in our relationship uh, with them. It has been my endeavor since this began a year ago to get to this part of the world. I've tried twice, and it hasn't happened yet. So my goal is here in the spring, um, be able to uh, hopefully go and um, actually see how uh, the Word of God is interacting and changing these lives and these families and these communities for the sake of Christ. So thank you for your generosity. Those funds made it possible to be able to get the Bibles there, but also thank you for your prayers. And I want to invite you now to pray with me as we continue to lift up these brave men and women who are courageously taking the Word of God into families, into communities, and seeing it transform lives in front of their very eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of talking Bibles and specifically talking Bibles in uh, this part of the world in Ethiopia. And Lord, we pray now uh, for these evangelists, for these pastors, for these missionaries who um, are being equipped and trained and, and being made ready to then take these, these Bibles into their communities and to begin uh, creating listening groups, um, interacting, uh, discipling people through the process of understanding your word, and more specifically and more importantly, Lord, to know your son, Jesus Christ, and to give their lives to him. And Father, we pray that there would be tremendous result and fruit from this endeavor. And Lord, continue to show us how it is, Lord, that we can be invested and involved to pray and to support uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are um, on the front lines uh, sharing your gospel, Lord. So thank you. We pray this all. And God's people said, amen, amen. Fantastic. Well, we have been going through a series um, uh, here for the last uh, four weeks. So this is the fifth week of our series, Silent Night, Holy Night. And uh, we've been talking about um, the paradox between uh, silent night and holy night. That is uh, silence and holiness, or peace and significance, or stillness and majesty, and how those things can, uh, at first glance, seem separate, but how rather we are to see them as interwoven, as connected. We can and should, each Christmas, experience peace and holiness, experience stillness and significance and majestic wonder. And so we've been looking at different aspects of that. We've been looking at the, the, uh, the peace of uh, stillness. We've been looking at the, uh, the significance of uh, God's glory, the significance of what it means when we say God with us, Emmanuel. And today we're going to be looking at the peace of giving, the peace of giving. Speaking of giving... 
You may have noticed when you walked in, surely you saw the Christmas tree, but you've probably seen hundreds of those over the last few weeks. Uh, But there's something specific about this tree. Um, There are ornaments on it, and they are basically cards, little postcards with businesses, local businesses here in North St. Paul and Maplewood, White Bear Lake, Oakdale. And then you notice there are boxes of Christmas cookies on the table out there in the commons. And what we are asking you to do, inviting you to do, is to grab one, two, three boxes of cookies and then a subsequent number of cards of those businesses. And then sometime from now until Christmas Day, drop those cookie boxes off at these businesses and just bless them. Just take a moment and say, hey, this is from North Haven. Merry Christmas. I guarantee I guarantee you're going to make someone's day doing that, all right? So if you would, grab a box, two or three, and then grab those business cards. It has the addresses on there, and uh, let's bless people by giving this Christmas. The most important thing we could ever do with our lives is to follow Jesus and helping others to do the same. The most important thing we could ever do with our lives is to follow Jesus and helping others to do the same. Hopefully you would agree with that. We are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make him known, to know him and to make him known. And we are entrusted with a message that literally means the difference between eternal life and eternal death. And this happens when we do two things that are equally important. The first thing is when we reach out and we connect with others inside of our church. When we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but pouring into each other, encouraging, supporting one another. But it also happens when we go beyond these church walls and we understand that, that this is a community, yes, but this community is also a part of this community. And as such, how can we invest outside of these walls and share life, share life with individuals and families and people beyond this church? Ultimately, sharing the gospel of Jesus within the church and outside of the church means giving three things that have been given to us. Three things. Three things that have been given to us. There are three T's. Three T's. God bless alliteration. They are this. They are our treasure, our talent, and our time. Three things that have been given to us that we are then to give to others, our treasure, our talent, and our time. To share the gospel of Jesus, we must willingly give God and others our treasure. We must willingly give God and others our talent, and we must willingly give God and others our time. So the first T that we're given and thus must actively then give to others is our treasure, our treasure. 
Temporary things will not bring lasting happiness. Only God can. Amen? Money is basically a house guest. We all have had a house guest that eventually, and maybe even thankfully, leaves. House guests come and they go. Much like house guests come and they go, money, resources, they come and then they go. If we want evidence of that, all we have to do is look at our checking account. We see how much it ebbs and flows. Solomon, who many believe wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, one of the wealthiest men in the history of the world, unparalleled wealth, but yet at the end of his life, he realized how little happiness money brought him. And he writes this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15, where he says, Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can then carry in their hands. The other day, I was at a funeral, and the, uh, the, the pastor who was speaking he, he said something that I thought was, was, was wonderful. He was praising all of the medical advancements that have happened over the years that have um, decreased the percentage of, of uh, sickness or fatality or whatever the case may be, but he says that there is one percentage that remains ever-present and hasn't changed uh, in hundreds of years, and that is the percentage of those that die. That's always 100%, I think. Anybody disagree? Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and everyone departs that way as well. The treasure or the resources that we have, it shouldn't do this, but it often defines our worth. We we wouldn't necessarily admit that. We wouldn't verbalize that maybe to others, but we act that way. We act in a way in which the resources or the treasure that we have, that we're holding on to or that that we are trying desperately to obtain, that it determines to some regard our worth. But consider this quote from Winston Churchill, who's one of my heroes, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So my question to you this morning in regards to the treasure that we've been given, are you more concerned about the living that you make or the living that you hope to make or the living you feel you ought to make or are you more concerned about the life you are making? The second T that we're given and then must actively and willingly give to others is 
our talent. Each and every single one of us, every person in this room, is uniquely gifted by God. You are uniquely gifted. You are gifted talents and abilities, uh, some that you need to develop, some that are intrinsic, and you are also gifted gifts by the Holy Spirit. Each and every single person here. Giving generously is much more than just giving money. It also includes getting your hands dirty with serving others through the gifts and talents that God has given you. You are set up to use those talents. You are set up to use those gifts that God's given you to specifically serve the church and others. This means serving others inside and outside of these walls who will then in turn be touched and inspired when you serve them. And, and as I mentioned before, none of us, well, very few of us, I think, would even verbalize this, but I think it motivates many people. Uh, we choose not to help others. We choose not to use our gifts or our talents to serve others because we believe that their past or their present behavior has put them in their present situation. And so it precludes the use of our gifts or talents to serve in their life. But Jesus, however, has showed us completely the opposite. He showed us how to serve and love others despite the sin that we've committed. In Mark chapter 10, there's this, the, one of the most audacious moments in Scripture. All the disciples are together with Jesus, and, and John and James, two brothers, they are in front of the others. They are, they are so utterly concerned about their place next to Jesus. And so they basically are like, hey, Jesus, um, we want to make sure that we're like on your right and on your left, that we're like your main dudes. Jesus, in verse 42, he, he calls them together, that is, his disciples. And you could tell, the, right, the other disciples, they're like, James and John, what in the world, right? He calls them together and he says, Jesus, he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. He was talking to his disciples in that moment, but, but now he's talking to you, to all those who have given their life to Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then Jesus is saying, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all, must serve all. For even the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. To give your talents, your gifts that you've been given, to give that to others isn't done to get anything or even to 
get people in the doors of the church. Giving your talents, giving the gifts that God's given you, giving that in turn to others must solely be done out of love. You know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, about eight years old, I wanted to be a rock star. And just like any future rock star, I needed to prepare. I had to practice. And so my preferred outfit for being a rock star was to be in my whitey tidies. And I would take my tennis racket and I would take the robe or the rope off of my robe and I would tie that on both ends and I put that tennis racket on and then I took took my hockey stick and I would set that up and I'd be in my bedroom and I gave the most amazing rock concerts. Trust me, they were incredible. That's not, though, how God wants you to exercise your gifts. That's not how God wants you to use the talents that he's given you. To just do that in the privacy of your bedroom or in some room in your mind or your heart. Those gifts, those talents were given to you so that you could use them to serve and benefit others. To show them God, to show them Jesus Christ. The third T that we're given and that we must then actively give to others is our time. Our time. Some of the greatest gifts that we can give anyone are our time, our attention, a listening ear, and an empathetic and patient Consider how infinitely patient God has been with you. Some of us know some of the things you've done. But many of the things that you've done, many of the things that you've thought, many of the things that you've said, we don't know about. But God does. Think about how infinitely patient and present God's been in the midst of all that failure. And yet we can't be patient with one another. We can't give a listening ear. We can't put aside our differences and our disagreements and be empathetic with one another, even though God has been infinitely patient and loving and listening to us. The source of our generosity should be the outflow of the generosity of Jesus And that he gave his life for us so that we could have life and then give to others. But here's the deal. In Romans, Paul writes in chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, he says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You're made right before God only through Jesus. And it is with your mouth then that you profess your faith and are saved. There are a lot of people who are really good about the mouth part. But what about the people who are good about the heart part? When you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, when you believe in your heart 
and are saved. Paul says, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You are made right with God through Jesus. And if you are saved, and if you are justified, if you're made right, then what comes from the outflow of your heart should resemble that. But if you are impatient with your time, if you are unwilling to listen to others, if you fail to give others the attention and empathy that they deserve, then you must reckon with where your heart is. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The author of this proverb It's so important. It's so critical. So much so that you need to guard your heart at all costs. There's a scene in a Christmas movie that I'm sure many of you have seen. Um, It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Um, Total spoilers, by the way. But it's been out since the 40s, so you've had plenty of time. Okay. At the end of the movie, we're going to see the end scene here in just a second, but just in case you aren't familiar with it, you haven't seen it in a while, uh, George Bailey, the main character, comes into financial uh, difficulty, so much so that it's threatening not only possible jail time, but it's threatening the dissolution of his family, it's threatening uh, the dissolution possibly of his, of his uh, business. Um, So much is at stake, and instead of turning to his loved ones, um, instead of um, uh, reaching out and asking for help, he goes to great lengths to try to fix the situation and eventually threatening to take his own life, only to then have his guardian angel, who was his his name? Clarence. Clarence comes into the picture and uh, helps George Bailey see how much life is worth living for. But there's a larger moral to this uh, story. But it comes to a head when George Bailey then comes back and he realizes all that he has to be grateful for. He's excited. He comes and he meets his family. And then all of these people start from his community start flooding in and um, dropping cash on a table in front of him in order to help him in his situation. This is the scene. George Mary did it. She told yeah. some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, George in trouble. And tell me, you didn't like it. Another run on the bank? Here, George, Merry Christmas. There we are. The Lion Farm's on the right. The Oh, I 
divorce if ever I get a husband. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Just a minute, just a minute. Quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Now, get this. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. Telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. boy, Clarence. So if we can move past the fact that that's completely theologically unsound... There's a, there's a profound message. It's the peace of giving. The peace of giving. I, I wanna, I'm going to try something here, uh, Lucas. I'm going um, to keep my mic on, and I want you to go back to that clip, but I want you to, when, when they read the telegram, um, can, you go, can you rewind it to that part or go fast forward to that part? Someone help me out. And I want you to be ready to freeze it. Okay, when I tell you to freeze it, you're going to freeze it. Bear with us. They're all looking at me like I'm insane. All right, back just, um, yeah, start right. Yep, start right here. Okay, get, get ready. Just a minute, just a minute. Quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Now get this. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. All right, freeze that right there. Christmas, right there. Sam so Jimmy Stewart's an amazing actor. But right there, that's the best moment of the whole movie. 
And the reason is, is because, yes, we, we can talk and we can wax poetic about how important it is to give of our treasure, to give of our talents, and to give of our time. That's, that's critical, and we can and should do a much better job of that as a people and as a church, just as human beings. But it's equally important. It's equally important to willingly and courageously receive treasure and in our need. We keep things to ourselves and we keep things closed up. And what we see right here in this scene is that veneer just come crushing, crashing down. And all of a sudden, we see an openness, a realization. Wow, I need to be willing to be loved. One last thing. Um, Freeze again. Freeze. Oh, go back just a little bit. Did you see that? His son was stealing the money. Check this out. Play. What's going on there? I tell you. All right. All jokes aside, Michael Hayes um, has been an important part of our church here for the last couple of years and has um, embodied, especially over his last year, all three of these aspects that we've been talking about uh, here this morning, uh, giving of our treasure and our talent and our time. Uh, Michael, why don't you come on out, and as he comes out, just quick, um, uh, quick, quick history. Uh, Michael came on as an intern other, under our youth pastor at the time, Alex Moe. And he worked under Alex, learned from him, and, um, and then December of last year, Alex uh, resigned, and, and uh, um, we were sad to see him go, but we were able to celebrate the seven years that he was the youth pastor here. And in the midst of um, uh, the pandemic and all the difficulties in connecting with students, which is not easy in normal times, but certainly um, during, the, during a pandemic, it was difficult. Um, uh, Michael, uh, he jumped in with both feet and uh, for the last year has existed as our interim youth director, leading both our middle school and high school students, um, has done a great job of not only keeping things moving, but causing that ministry to thrive in such a way that over the last few months, he has worked side by side with Pastor Aaron as Aaron's come on board. And uh, basically, Michael has graciously and expertly handed this ministry off to Aaron in a very important and profound way. Um, I wanted to give Michael a chance to share a little bit, and then we're going to have a couple people come up to the stage, and we're going to pray for, for Michael. Well, let me... There you go, brother. Hi, everyone. Um, so, I mean, the only other church that I worked at was the church I grew up in. So, when I came here, ooh, <laughs> um, I didn't know how I'd be accepted or how it would be because I, you know, it's new, right? 
And you guys have accepted me wholeheartedly and it's easier for service. <laughs> um, and just believed in me and believed in God that he would use me. So I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, I feel like I should always say the cliche thing of maybe it's not by forever, maybe it's just for now. <laughs> but it's time for Megan and I to see where God's leading us other places. Um, so I just want to say thank you for believing in me and using me and letting me be in charge of your kids and tell you what's going on in the church. <laughs> thank you. I'm going to invite um, uh, Brad Jardine, our elder board chair, as well as uh, Pastor Aaron, to the stage. Um, as they uh, come up, um, I want to just uh, let you know that after the service, we're going to have just a, a chance for you to connect with Michael, encourage him, thank him. Uh, there are cards. We ask that you would write down a note of encouragement to him. There's cake um, out in the commons. Um, uh, it's, it's not all for Michael. You can have some, too. Um, but I also just, just want to let you know, too, Michael is pursuing um, uh, his youth pastor degree, youth ministry degree. He's currently in college right now, and I just can't wait to see um, how God uses him in some very profound ways. So, Brad? I just want to say, Michael, again, thank you for everything that you've done for our, our kids here at North Haven for the church. Um, I know it was a, a tough time to come in and, and take over the, the youth group when you did, um, but you've done just a, a phenomenal job um, blessing our, our students. I know each of, each of them has their own story of how you have uh, impacted their lives, and it, it truly is their lives. It's not just this past year. Um, how the impact you've had will carry on for, for many years into the future for each one of these, uh, these students. So uh, thank you for that, and I ask that... Um, as you go forward, that you would continue to experience God's blessing for you personally and in your ministry, as well as your family. So I uh, thank you for that. And uh, we just have a small gift we wanted to give you as um, uh, showing our appreciation for what you've done for our church and our students in the last year. So thank you. I'm going to ask Aaron to pray for Michael and for Megan. And uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, first, uh, Michael, you're a friend. And I've really enjoyed working with you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm excited to see what God has for you next. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for how you have used Michael in this position, for the impact that you have uh, created through him. And we're excited to see what you have next for him and for Megan and their family. God, we, we pray for your blessing over them. We pray for your provision for them and for your, your continued growth and favor. God, thank you for the, uh, the role that he has played here, and we know that that will continue to bear fruit even uh, many years down the road. So, God, we're excited, we are uh, expectant, and we're hopeful. We praise you, God, for all that you have done through Michael and in Michael's life, and we pray for uh, your blessing on what's next. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Amen, amen. All right, well, thank you so much for being with us here today, Christmas Eve on Friday at 4 p.m. Also grab some cookie boxes and business cards and uh, bless some people and grab a piece of cake. God bless you.